Hey, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, supported by 3CR Community Radio on the lands of the Wurundjeri clan of the Kulin Nation. This week on Earth Matters, we'll hear from guest producer Joy Lothian from Aboriginal Way Radio at Radio Adelaide about a new mining threat to sacred sites at Lake Torrens, where the South Australian government has approved an exploratory drilling project there that has the potential to be the next Dugan Gorge. Joy speaks with the CEO of South Australian Native Title Services, Keith Thomas, and Cookata Senior Lawman, Andrew Starkey. Exploration drilling will go ahead this year on Lake Torrens, a sacred Aboriginal site, after approval was announced by the Premier Stephen Marshall during the week between Christmas and New Year's. The authorisation gives minerals exploration company Kelleray permission to damage, disturb or interfere with sites, objects and remains under Section 23 of the Aboriginal Heritage Act. Kelleray are a subsidiary of Argonaut Resources, who we discovered were actually awarded a $320,000 grant from the SA government mid last year for mining on Lake Torrens, before the drilling was even approved. I spoke with South Australian Native Title Services CEO Keith Thomas about the decision. Now, we've recently discovered that Killaray, who got an exploration licence to drill on Lake Torrens, are a subsidiary of Argonaut Resources, who were awarded a $320,000 grant from the South Australian Government in August last year for mining on Lake Torrens. This was before this drilling was approved. Were you surprised to learn about this? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it flies in the face of you know, open and transparent decision-making. Because that payment was made prior to them even being eligible to receive funding, it was likely a foregone conclusion that the government was going to decide that, yes, you're going to get approval for drilling. So it flies in the face of a fair hearing. You've referred to Lake Torrens as South Australia's Jook and Gorge when referring to the decision to drill on the lake. Why is this? Oh, look, Lake Torrens is a sacred site and it's, it's a very important site. You know, it's across sort of uh, area of different uh, stories and uh, then the Jukupa that's there and, you know some of that related to the Seven Sisters story and that type of thing it's very rich and you know one, one old fella told me that you know the Jukupa still alive there and it's very strong so those are the sorts of places that need to be protected because they're very spiritual and um, have a lot of uh, meaning for Aboriginal people. And despite being considered a sacred site, Lake Torrens does not have native title protections over it, but there have been multiple claims over the land. Can you tell us a little bit about the claims and the groups involved? Previously, there's been claims. Uh, Kukatha started off uh, with a claim initially, then Ajumatna put a claim and Bangalore also put a claim. So those three groups have had contact in the, the region and uh, they've all shown that they certainly had some connection in the past as far as going towards meeting native title, the the federal court and then the high court decided that there was insufficient um, evidence to support that. It doesn't mean that in the future another native title claim might be brought uh, which would include all groups in a a claim, in a new claim. And you touched on a moment ago but 
Can you tell us a little bit more about what a sacred site means? Lake Torrens being a sacred site, what does that mean? Oh, look, for the traditional owners yes. especially, it's a, an important place for them uh, culturally and spiritually and uh, it's a place that they have responsibility for and to, to look after. So there can be consequences because of the impact of drilling and that on that uh, site which can impact on the people as well. So it's very important, particularly to those with connection to that country, to do everything in their power to protect that country because that's what Aboriginal law and culture has given them, that authority to look after that country. You've also mentioned that it's disturbing that such a decision can be made to damage a registered Aboriginal cultural site by focusing only on the physical aspects of the site and neglecting the cultural significance of the area. Is that the sacred elements that you're referring to? I'm referring to probably more so the spiritual side of it, but it's also those physical elements that connect the two between the physical and the spiritual. So the authority under Section 23 is for drilling on the lake. But the area around the lake also is just as important. There are important parts of that which are a feature of the Jukupa around that area. So there's, you know, there's a spring and there's rock etchings and there are other things which form part of that, that story, uh, that dreaming story, which brings that connection between the physical between the spiritual and between the people who are there to look after that country. Do you think that the South Australian government understands this difference? Do you think they understand what it means for Aboriginal people? Oh, look, I think it's very hard for non-Aboriginal people to grasp the importance of a cultural site, especially a sacred site, because they're only seeing the physical side of that, the drilling and the impact that that has on the land. They don't see the other impact on the spiritual side of it and how that affects people and the impact on their lives and livelihoods into the future and that that could possibly be affected through this action to drill on the lake. And how do you see people's lives being affected? Look, part of it goes back to law and culture because of the responsibilities traditional owners have for looking after country and that type of thing. And it's, you know, lots of people would say that, you know, doing something like this can cause sickness. You know, there might be other sort of bad luck things that happen to people and that type of thing. So I'm not really going to go too much into that sort of thing. I think that's uh, the area that traditional owners need to speak about more so. Yep. The Premier's Office says that the exploration program will not permanently impact the anthropological and cultural heritage of Lake Torrens. What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Look, I think it's easy for them to sit back in their ivory towers and make comments about what's going to be damaged and what not's going to be damaged. The reality is, is that the impact is going to cause damage to that site. And um, I don't know how we can get people better, I don't know if educated at the right time, but have a better understanding of Aboriginal culture and the, what the impact on Aboriginal sites really means, not just what they see through mm. their own cultural eyes as being what's happening here. Yeah. And what do you see the area around the lake and the lake you know, looking like in years to come if drilling does go ahead? It's hard to say because it's exploration mm. drilling, so it's speculative. They mightn't even do a mine, but in, in the years to come, if there was to be a mine, then you could imagine that that area is going to be totally destroyed. And we have something in South Australia with those that lake system, you know, Lake Gairdner, Lake Torrens, Lake Eyre. 
is unique. It's absolutely fantastic. And I recall one old fellow saying to me, they're like the, like the lungs of the land. So we're playing around with those things and uh, you're going to damage the land essentially. Because it's not just the people going and drilling on the lake, it's, it's camps around the edge, it's people coming to and from. There's all of that. And, and mm. when you're talking about a, a sacred site, it's, a, it's really a very important cultural landscape because in that place also there's a, a, a cave with mm-hmm. things in. Um, there's, like I said, the spring before and other, other cultural things where people from the years gone by who sat there and protected that place. Mm-hmm. You know, there's their stone chipping and that type of thing to make blades and um, axe heads and that type of thing. Mm. So it's a unique cultural environment, which, you know, they go in and damage and destroy that. You'll never get it back, yeah. Do you think that there have been any positive changes towards Aboriginal heritage protection since the destruction of Chicken Gorge last year? I was hopeful that there'd be greater consideration given to Aboriginal interests in in those sites, but this decision here flies in the face of that. I think you you have to think that, no, nothing's really changed. Mm. Lastly, what do you think needs to happen for change to occur? Oh, it's a difficult one because uh, Aboriginal people now are trying very hard to change things on a national basis to get more consistency and to give... um, a higher priority to Aboriginal needs in terms of protecting country and looking after country and that type of thing. Because at the moment, it's more about the money and uh, what they call the, the good of the state than protecting Aboriginal heritage. It, it's an interesting sort of situation, and I think there is a lot of misunderstanding in the broader community because there is also not an understanding of Aboriginal people's connection to the country and their rights and responsibilities to that country. And, you know, that whole thing that they are part of the country, that you have the human side of it, it's connected to the physical side, it's connected to the spiritual side. And it's a holistic circle where everything works together to make things right. And when you break down a component of that, then the other parts get affected. So you break down the spiritual, then the land and the people get affected by that. That was Keith Thomas, CEO of SA Native Title Services, talking about the decision by the SA government to drill on Lake Torrens. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. I also spoke with Cockatha Senior Lawman, Andrew Starkey, I'm Andrew Starkey. I'm a senior Cougar lawman. I've been involved in Cougar politics probably from the age of 16. been involved in our native title most of my life. Uh, it took 20 years for us to get our native title recognised. And although I'm a member of Cougar Aboriginal Corporation, I'm t- talking to you today in my capacity as Cougar senior lawman and not a member of uh, Cougar Aboriginal Corporation. Lake Torrens, from a mythological perspective, is, is a very important area for the Kukuta people and, to that end, other Aboriginal people uh, around the region as well, particularly to the west, north and south of us. The lake itself makes up a natural boundary between the Western Desert and the, the lakes people and Flinders Ranges people. And so, from a geological perspective, it's a very important um, piece of country. It's one of the largest inland lakes in South Australia measuring 
200 kilometres long by 30 kilometres wide, and the surface area is, is uh, upwards of 5,700 square kilometres. It's huge, isn't it? Sure is. Being a senior lawman and a cardholder of Lake Torrens, you said you've been fighting this battle for a long time. How, how long do you think it's been, Andrew? I reckon it was around 2009. Straits Resources and Calaray notified notified us that they intended on submitting a Section 23 over the lake to undertake drilling activities, and we opposed it from the outset. You know, the, the lake itself is major significance, particularly to the men, and there is a lot of sites around the, the edge of the lake. There's also sites on the surface of the lake. Um, there's mound springs on the lake, and so it's an important uh, area for getting water drawn dry swells. Obviously, there is a number of stories that are associated with the lake, and one that is probably known or recognised more is, is the Seven Sisters story, which is mm. a major story. And that story is a, a huge story and that goes way out through the Western Desert. And so it, it, it ties Cougar in with the other Aboriginal groups further to the north and west. Uh, it's a big story and there are elements of both men and women's songs and dance associated with the Seven Sisters song and storyline. And it's, some parts of that story are just associated with men, others is just women. And then there's areas where men and women come together and it's a story for the families as well. Andrew, the Premier's office has said that the exploration program will not permanently impact the anthropological or the cultural heritage of Lake Torrens, but you've mentioned that you can still see evidence of early drilling from the 1970s there, which was when it sort of first started in the area. There's still remnants of mining equipment, cables and pipe and things like that, and the lake surface itself, you can still make out the tracks on the lake surface. There's been a lot of history associated with Europeans on the lake. The early pastoralists very early on crossed the lake with a mob of sheep and pushing them to the east and to the Flinders Ranges because there was, there was a dry spell on the western side, so they pushed them across the lake to a property on the, on the eastern side. And they got across all right, but on the return trip some days later, it coincided with the full moon. So as it is with tidal movement, um, the moon makes the tides rise higher etc and so the water table under the lake rose or rises with the phases of the moon and horses and camels got stuck on the lake couldn't get them out and so they had to shoot them i recall being told that there was at least two instances where that happened it was horses and camels that perished so there could potentially be quite a lot of animal bones in the lake as well oh there will be anything there it's not only the aboriginal heritage um, going to desecrate and, and suffer because of this. It's the you know, the lake itself is a proclaimed under the national park that so was first proclaimed a park back in 1991. And every 10 to 12 or 15 years or more, there's there's large rainfall events. So what that does, that fills up all the lake systems. And some of the lakes are dried clay pan lakes, others are a salt lake. And one of the lakes just to the west of, of Lake Torrance um, is, is a lake called Lake Richardson. Uh, when that lake is full of water, there's upwards of 30 feet of water in that lake. And mm-hmm. that was the very reason why Woomera Township was built where it was, because they had access to that water. So that's that's why the Woomera Township came into being. But um, just to give you an example of some of the bird life out there, we the Cougar had an opportunity to undertake some studies there, and we worked with 
the Bush Blitz people. It's a, it's a federal government entity made up of yeah. specialists in their field, scientists, etc. And it was during some of the surveys that they actually found on the lake surface some newly discovered invertebrates. So there was things like they collected beetles and uh, ants and crickets, scorpions. You know, they discovered a, another native bee. But one of the more threatened species on the lake is the, the banded stilt. And it was during... 2010, where there was a large rainfall event, there was a breeding colony of birds on the lake comprising of 150,000 birds. There's only seven sites recorded in Australia where they nest. And this is one of them, Lake Thomas is one of them. And a breeding event like that only occurs, and it's only occurred 10 times in the, in the past 70 years. So mm. it's, it's pretty significant. With the 150,000 nesting pairs, they would have produced around 200,000 chicks potentially. So almost doubling the, the, the population. So being a, a vulnerable, threatened um, species, you can see how important these inland lake systems are to the bird life. What effect do you see this exploration and potential drilling having on the lake and the environment around it? Experience dictates us that you, know, you, you may well be comfortable with a mining company drilling on country, but it's what comes after. So if they were lucky enough to find a deposit of whatever it is they're looking for, then comes you know, a mining camp and then full-scale production of whatever it is they want to do. And so if that was to occur onto the lake, you can imagine the impact that has on the uh, invertebrates and the, the birds and everything else. The Lake Thomas is part of Inland Saline Lake, which yep. is it's listed in the Directory of Important Wetlands in Australia, and that's been known since about 95. And so Lake Thomas itself is identified as a important bird area and... There is also the other bird species there, the red cat flubbers and cinnamon quail thrushes. And so, you know, very important from a environmental. And so it's, it's, it could potentially have a huge impact on both the environment and also on the continuation of culture for your people. You see it having a big impact on that? Oh, yeah. One of the things that Cookerow are putting report in, the, in that area where a majority of the pastoral leases are relatively undeveloped, and it's been, been that way since, you know, since they were coming into play all those years ago. So what happens when an area is opened up? You know, they put decent roads in, and so that enables people to get further afield, and it has an impact on all the sites. So an example being if, if they were to find something in Lake Clarence and put in uh, decent roads, well, then people will get out there more often, and then it's, it's the sites along that route going out to the lake that also get impacted by people collecting things like stone tools and cutting trees for timber and fires and all that sort of thing. Yeah, right. We've recently mm. seen that killer Ray who got the exploration licence to drill on Lake Torrens, who you've known about for, for many years, as you mentioned, are a subsidiary of a company called Argonaut Resources. And um, it looks as though last year they were awarded $320,000 in a grant from the South Australian government to mine on Lake Torrens. Now, this was before this drilling was, was even approved. Are, are you surprised by that? No, it's taxpayers' money and taxpayers are supporting the mining sector to get out there and, and explore. You know, it's all very well if they find something, but what happens in the event they don't? So mm. there's all that money that's gone and, and it's wasted. But you know, the, the, the drilling program that has already taken place out there, we understand and have been told that the targets that they were looking at to drill and actually drilled, um, they found nothing there. So when was that? They've, they've been out there and they had authority to drill 
um, back around 2018. Right, yeah, um, that was in a different license. Under a different license. And so that was when we were first granted access uh, to that area. They were on the island, Enamuka Island, and had targets, two targets on the island and 10 target drones on the lake bed. So they've already un- undertaken that drilling and, and found nothing, which mm. we've been led to believe. So, so they've come further to the south to look at these other areas. So, you know, and then there was work done on the island where they created a lay-down area for equipment and machineries, etc. So that's already impacted on 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 the site. Right. Yep. And yeah, it's just interesting that they were awarded this grant to go ahead with the drilling before the the, the section twenty three had had even been approved. This is right. I mean, there's a state, you know, in in debt big time, and so I think they look at looking at the mining sector to get them out of out of debt, and you know, to the detriment of Aboriginal culture and to the environment. Heritage protections generally, it's a challenge to get through get through to people that native title and heritage protection are, are related, but, but they're different. You know, native title has a certain bundle of rights and heritage protection uh, a different bundle of rights. And it must be um, better appreciated to protect our cultural values. You know, these sites were recorded well before native title come around. It's important to recognise that fact. And I think that was one of the things that was picked up in the minister's decision was that he um, had suggested to Kelleray that they consult across the board with interested parties. You know, it, but one would hope that those sorts of comments that the premiers made uh, that Kelleray um, abide by that and um, talk to the interested Aboriginal parties in relation to this. I mean, it's one thing for the minister to make the recommendation, but it's another for Kelleray to, you know, what, what the Premier say, I expect Kelleray to make reasonable efforts to engage and consult with Aboriginal parties and other relevant traditional owners regarding the approaches to minimise damage. And do you think this has happened? Not to date, it hasn't. So everyone you've spoken to, you don't, doesn't feel as though they've been sufficiently consulted? Well, it was it was a... I mean, it was hard enough. It was hard enough going to Section 23's me, uh, meetings and and uh, understanding what's going on. Let alone having to do it remotely through submissions and things. And I understand there was, there was some 22 or 25 submissions. You know, a lot of a lot of people would have needed help to put them submissions together. And you know, there's a cost associated with um, talking with legal representatives and things. So these costs are, are borne by. Uh, organisations and individuals. Yes, and my understanding so is that are. people, uh, organisations, put in submissions and then didn't hear anything until the um, drilling was approved. I haven't heard about yeah. any more consultation. I don't know if you have. No, I mean that. This is the this is the disappointing thing. I mean, um, you know, we've heard nothing about you know the environmental impacts, cultural impacts, is a big thing. Uh, I spoke. Last year, with a few of the pastoralists from up that way, Bosworth Station was sold recently last year, and there's new there's new owners. And so, pastoralist I spoke to, who is now the new owner of Bosworth, hasn't heard from Kellerae right. at all. And so, at all. At all. And so, you know, there's consultation that is still outstanding, 
Um, we haven't heard anything as to whether the national parks have been notified. And so, you know, things are still up in the air. Yeah, they definitely are. One of the things that has happened across the board in recent times is that there's been a lot of emphasis put on the mining sector, particularly around sacred site avoidance and protection and what has happened with the the Duke and Gorge scenario has just highlighted across the board, across the nation, what other Aboriginal groups and nations are having to put up with. And it's it's just just appalling. Now, we've had other instances here um, through Cougar Country where um, sites have been desecrated only recently and we lodged a submission to the Senate inquiry in relation to the, the Duke and Gorge inquiry. So that's that's continuing. Um, that investigation is continuing. I'm hoping to hear about what's going to happen with that. Okay, good. As I was going to say it doesn't seem as though there has been any positive changes towards Aboriginal heritage protection since the destruction of Chukin Gorge last year. What do you think needs to happen for there to be more protection? Oh, there needs to be a unified approach to um, cultural heritage protection across the board. As others have said, it needs to be a national approach rather than individual states tackling tackling their own and coming up with their own set of rules and guidelines. It needs to be a national approach. Um, I know everyone knows that there's Aboriginal groups and peoples are have different culture and different stories, etc. But end of the day, it's about land and it's about protection of assets and those lands. Because without protection of those assets. The stories that are associated with land, and particularly the First First Nations people, will be lost. Yeah. Um, and it's important that Aboriginal people have access to their country and enable them to pass on the knowledge associated with the land so they can better place to protect and look after it for all Australians. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. And today we heard from guest producer Joy Lothian from Aboriginal Way Radio at Radio Adelaide, speaking with Cookada Senior Lawman Andrew Starkey and the CEO of South Australian Native Title Services, Keith Thomas, about their concerns regarding a new exploratory drilling project at Lake Torrens that has the potential to be the next Dugan Gorge. And you can check out more important content by Aboriginal Way Radio at nativetitlesa.org. And you can find our Earth Matters podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. And if you're listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced with the support of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam, and we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for this week, so tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Thank you. 
genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing whitefellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Yeah, yeah, so I was going right on 100. The sun was just starting to go down right on dusk. It just jumped out on me. It's like it didn't even know I was there. The chances are it didn't. Because to Victorian wildlife, our road is just another part of their home. It's our job to drive safely to protect them. To report a wildlife collision, call Wildlife Victoria on 8400 7300. A safe drive saves our wildlife. Supported by TAC. A 3CR supporter. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs fly on the road and I had like this fist with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.